Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso. And I'm Ann Friedman. We're going to slay the mailbag today. I mean, it's sort of like inbox slaying, only only the most interesting parts of the inbox, though. <laughs> Call your girlfriend. It's time you had the talk. Give your reasons. Hey! Oh my god. Are you ready for this mailbag? We're gonna do a mailbag. Okay. I'm gonna read the first question from the inbox. Please. I've been dating this guy for a while, and he was a virgin when we met. This is a woman writing. I've been having pretty regular sex since I was about 15 and have always been super positive, despite growing up in a religion that is pretty sex negative. My beau. Ooh. Cute. Uh, very cute. <laughs> Also grew up in this religion and it and it's still very much a part of it, which I respect and I'm totally fine with. We had sex at the beginning of our relationship, but since then he has felt guilty about it and we've stopped. It's been almost a year since I've had sex and it's driving me insane. I don't want to pressure him into anything he doesn't want to do. And on and on and off. Emphasis on the off lately. We fooled around and done basically everything except penetrative sex. He is so sweet to me and besides the sex thing, he's essentially perfect for me. We have a great relationship in general and definitely a tons of chemistry but the sex thing still bothers me i've always considered sex to be fun bonding and something i'm good at so not having any has had a pretty negative effect on my self-esteem this huge confidence booster is suddenly gone i don't know what i should do i don't want to be a villain from a 90s teen sitcom but i am also an adult and i'm missing a big part of my life help oh this this question makes me so it makes me so sad. This is a big important part of our lives and I think that she really hits the nail on the head when she relates it to self-esteem, you know, and and how hers is lower now because she cannot be fully expressed in her relationship. Yeah, well, and it's also can be different depending on the relationship, but in lots of relationships and for lots of people, that is like a core form of affirmation, right? Like that's like a core way of saying like saying with your body as well as your mouth that you are like into this, what is happening with the two of you. Um, And if that's one of her, I mean, I don't mean to go all love languages, but if like she certainly recognizes that that's important to her and this dude is just not on the same page. I know. I don't want to say beyond like sex is really important to you. If you're not having sex in your relationship, it will manifest itself in really toxic ways that are not sustainable long-term. And so need to find a way to get on the same page or you need to be okay with exploring having sex in different context mm-hmm. but because this person is also religious i imagine that that is not okay right that's a gotta have a come to jesus about that i also grew up in a religion that was not sex positive at all and same. <laughs> um you know and I, and I and sometimes i still feel the repercussions of that or realizing like the ways that i really had shame about my body and grew up and how none of those things were net positives in the end. And it was really important for me to shed that. Again, for me, it goes back to self-esteem. It's like, if this makes me feel like shit, it's probably not good for me in the long term. Right. Although I have to say, I'm so happy to hear that this listener is in some ways having the opposite problem. Like, is not like I feel ashamed about my desire for sex. Like, I love hearing that. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like, also when I listen to it, I'm sort of like... I think about sexual needs as one of the big 
things that you can be compatible or incompatible with someone on. And also thinking about how right now she's having this issue because he, her partner is, has maybe like a religious objection, but it's actually a really common thing. I think to have two people in a relationship who have like different sexual appetites and place different priority on your sex life. It's weird, right? Because like, as you say, there are ways to deal with this, I feel like, but most of them are not compatible with a pretty traditional (laughs) outlook on what a sexual relationship is. Exactly. And, you know, and I think that maybe like talking to your partner in terms of, you know, like how this is affecting your own self-esteem and how you feel about your body and the place, the importance that sex has on you, as opposed to, is it a sinful thing, which frames it all around this question of religion is also a way to have a really honest conversation about it because if this person loves you and they want you to thrive in in every way, like this is not a place that they want to hold you back, you know? So I think that having a real talk about like the importance that sex has outside of sinfulness or, (laughs) you know, like grace and and where all of that falls, but also, man, religion, so... It's true. I'm also just like, you know, if your morality involves like a healthy sexual relationship with your partner and your partner's morality is like abstinence only. <laughs> That's like a, like a, a kind of an incompatibility that no, you totally. need to address anyway. And they'll still fool around with you and do everything. Mm. But you know, I'm just like, mm, like these are, that's also like, there's a little bit of context that's missing here in yep. the sense where, I'm like viewing all of this as like very sweet, but at the same time, like I have no patience for people who say that they're religious and righteous and will do everything but like, you know, like uh, penetration. I'm just like, please. Or or only that we'll do anything but like one specific type of penetration. Exactly. Let's be real. Hello, certain, Catholic girls. Certain penetration uh-huh. is okay, but. No, yeah. totally. No, I'm just like, if you're like afraid of like being a hypocrite, you're already a hypocrite. So like, don't right. like don't make somebody else feel bad. Your judgy God is already judging you. Yeah, your judgy you God's feel. already judging you. We're judging you. Don't worry. Um, right. So might as well go all in. But I, I really think that if you, if you love someone and they love you back, like you need to find a way to talk about sex in a healthy, right. And both feel good about what you are and aren't doing. Yep. Yeah. Good luck listener. (laughs) And congrats on getting over your religious body shame, (laughs) sex shame. Your body's beautiful. Yep. My girlfriend and I grow weed in Southern Oregon, and as the season just started for us a couple days ago, I'm reminded of how irritated I get while working alongside underneath and mostly above men. (laughs) 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 A word. I grew up in a family of mostly women. I'm gay and choose mostly female friends. I've had a lot of jobs that are typically male jobs, but it worked because I was usually on the bottom of the chain. I have zero experience being a woman in charge, and I'm finding it exhausting to learn by trial and error. I feel like every day we have to defend our position and remind people who is boss. It's so annoying, but necessary in order to make sure everything runs smooth and jobs are done right. Before we build our own weed empire that works exclusively with women, I'd like to learn how to work with men. Ah, can't wait to come work with you. (laughs) Hire us. (laughs) Right? At least to get myself through these next six months without compromising my low blood pressure and generally easy breezy attitude. Can you guys suggest any books, workshops, seminars, meditations, mentors to follow, anything that teaches women how to feel comfortable being dominant in a male industry? Do you have any tips of your own? I'm looking around, but I'm only finding articles about how to let your male coworker know that you are interested in him while still being office appropriate. Thanks. 
So the question is, how to be a dominant woman in a typically male dominant industry? And how to like manage men, right? Yeah. Oh man. Well, I feel like the male dominant industry question is is probably better for you. I've definitely managed my share of men, but it was always in an office environment that was a little bit more gender even. I've managed, I want to say, um, probably slightly more men than women. That's, that's true. Uh, no, actually, I've managed more men than women. Now I'm putting it all in perspective. I don't know, man. I think... I think you first you just have to be okay with who you are like here's like it's true it's like here's the thing like for me the fact that you're a boss the fact that you're a boss like that's the thing that like you're just gonna have to own that and you need to be confident about that on your own regardless of like what being a boss is and who you are the boss of and what you are the boss of because people that you are managing like they can smell incompetence like fear (laughs) and they can smell insecurity like fear right 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 like that's that's very true And, you know, like for me, I think that for a long time, I was just very conscious of like, well, everybody's going to assume that I'm like, I'm like black and loud and I have to like prove my credentials and blah, blah, blah. Like all of these things, which in some settings has been true. But I think at the end of the day, depending on what industry you work in, your job also sets you for success or they set you for failure. I've been really lucky in that I have worked at places that have set me up for success and have taught me how to be a, a people manager. But I think that like generally what I would say is... Be confident yourself in what you're doing. And two, anybody that you manage, like regardless of gender, is going to be a problem for you at some point. And I think that like not being like a gender absolutist (laughs) is probably really important. The tension for me, and I think I'm just like, I just don't see men. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, my invisible like (laughs) reports that I don't even see because they're men. Um, I think for me, when I was a boss, the tension was between wanting to do it better than the mostly men who had managed me in the past in that the other managers in my workplace and the people who had managed me throughout my career were pretty much all men. So I knew that I did not want to follow their example. Like I thought that many of them were super incompetent, (laughs) but then, you know, there is the flip side of like understanding that, I don't know. I mean, there's like reams of research about how women absolutely can't win, right? Like if you are definitive and clear about what you want, then people are like, oh, you know, she's a bitch to work for or like don't want to sort of come along with you (laughs) and do what you want them to do. The flip side is like if you're too nice, it's like, you know, the same thing. It's like they'll use anything as an excuse not to respect you. I think part of it is, and I don't know exactly what your situation is, but because you talk about being the boss. I assume that you have some power over who is reporting to you. And so you can kind of self-select for like men who who respect respect women and like have no problem or who have less problem answering to them. I think that's important. Part of the male-dominated industry thing, I think, is like thinking about your peers, like the other boss-level people in your industry who are probably likely to be men. And on that front, like I think that is actually harder for me, right? If I'm like, ultimately, I'm your boss, like Amina says, if I feel good about myself and like feel confident in the choices that I'm making, managing is not that big of a deal. Feeling like I want respect or like wanting to like network or be a part of the same professional circle as the men who are at my level where like I don't know if I have advice on that front like that feels a little bit different I just want to note that I did a quick google for like how to manage men if you're a woman and the first thing that showed up is like how to manage men set goals for them oh my god unlike the rest of your employees that's ridiculous (sighs) 
you know, but I, I, I will say this, right? Is that like one way that I have found to manage men is by using the exact tactics that you're taught on like how to manage difficult people. <laughs> because, <laughs> Sorry, you know, like sometimes, sometimes you have conflict just based on a different, different things. I have found that like, even when sexism arise at work, taking a huge breath and trying to see the situation from their angle and really being like, how much of this is just like, I do not like this person interpersonally and this is creating conflict and how much of it has to do with work and just having like a full set of information is real. And I think that the other thing that has been really helpful for me in managing difficult people slash men has been to have the direct confrontation. Oh, the direct conversation is so important. The direct confrontation. Because... One, it just like reestablishes the power dynamic. It's like, hello, I manage you and I am responsible for your work. And also, I, you know, like it's like looking somebody in the eye and telling them like, hi, like, do you have a problem with me? Do you have a problem with what I'm running this team? Or like, what is the problem? Or yeah. are you unclear on anything I've communicated to exactly, you and what you like, need to be doing? Yeah. Like that, unless you're a coward, like that's a situation that will just, <laughs> those kinds of confrontations tend to sort themselves out. And I, I don't mean confrontation in the sense of like, it has to be this like tension filled, like, you know, like you have to yell or whatever, like no way. It's just really instead of writing into our podcast or like talking to your other friends about it, really pulling that employee aside and saying like, hi, I, here's the pattern that I have noticed. What do you think? And I think that also like always recentering work conversations around work itself and how to make it more efficient and how to make it better. Right. Like what is our deliver- shared professional goal? Yeah. Here? Like yeah. deliver it faster. Like reminding people that you are on the same team is a lot of what you're going to have to do and really teaching people that you are on their side. And this is not a competition. We're all doing the same thing. But yeah, I'm telling you, just Google all the tactics for like how to manage difficult people. Yeah, I mean... And like those will be helpful to you. And also, I mean, I think that part of what's embedded in this question, right, is like, how do I manage people who are different from me? Like, not just like maybe yeah. difficult. She says up front, like, my world is is almost all women. It's more just people who I don't have a ton of experience like no, collaborating totally. with. And I think that that is really real. Like, that is, work is like people who you would not choose to associate with socially. Not like, your team. <laughs> trying to, yeah, exactly. Like, trying to get something done. And so, I don't know, like, part of me, I have a lot of admiration for the fact that you are like, I'm going to commit to learning how to deal. Yeah. Because if you were like I'm just gonna set up my like women only weed utopia like I think it'll actually be a better business for having dealt with managing people who are different from you aka men (laughs) and I I really want to go back to this like we made fun about like goal setting you know like uh, a little earlier but I really think that like one way to have unimpeachable like work interactions is by having really clear set goals totally measurable and assigning people to them because then that's the context in which you discuss things you know and it just makes it harder for things to become personal and it makes it harder for people to feel to feel like you don't like them or you whatever it's like all you care about is like are you doing your work in like a professional setting totally this is like okay we've agreed on the goal it's on you to figure out how to get there like i think that there is a real element too of like like not micromanaging that helps to say like okay we've 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 agreed that this is where you need to go you're going to figure out how to get there and then in six months or one month or whatever you set we're going to check in and assess how you've done that's the way you do it that's not related to personal feelings about each other good luck listener and please invite us to hang out in your women only weed utopia once you've established it yeah how can i be like how can i be an investor on the ground please we'll hit you up with sponsorship info for this podcast (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, next question. Ooh, it's also a sexy one. I'm currently very much single for the past year and a half, and guys that I meet are just, ugh, no words, and I'm having these sex dreams all the time. Like, I'm dreaming about having sex with some strangers, random dudes, in parentheses, firefighter, question, exclamation point, question, exclamation point. No shame. Or, but very rarely, guys that I know or used to know. And it isn't just sex. It's like a very passionate, in weird places, stuff like that. In the morning, I wake up and my vagina is just ready to explode. (laughs) Am I weird or what? You're not weird. You're 100% normal and your body is normal and I kind of love that you're having all of these your subconscious is getting down yeah your subconscious (laughs) is getting down like you're a sexy lady who wants sexy times you know like i have read and heard that sex dreams actually are not if you're having a sex dream about a specific person it doesn't mean that that's the person that you want to whose bones you want to jump it just means that that's the first person that came front to mind in your like jumbled brain wave activity your brain just like connected to unrelated dots which is you like sex and like you saw this person at some point yeah and you've like concocted like sexy sex scenarios for yourself like women are stimulated on a you know like amazing range mm-hmm. <laughs> like deep and large just range of uh of things and uh that's probably part of it you know instead of stressing out about the fact that you're having sex dreams is you should focus a little bit on how much you can love yourself and your own pleasure whether that involves somebody else or just yourself stay in bed a few extra minutes you know (laughs) i know i think you should really enjoy this very special moment in life (laughs) oh completely and and you know thinking about what you were just saying about women being turned on by everything is something that like i really take comfort in like after i read about the research that they showed women everything from like like a baboon totally totally like baboons like like humping (laughs) to like you know all combinations of like genders getting it on and women pretty universally are kind of just turned on by sexiness which is not to say all women ever etc but like you know women in this study more more yeah, or less. But like you should cherish that oh my god completely like the ability to find sexiness in unexpected places <laughs> sandwich shops <laughs> <laughs> random just like butts walking down the street totally like, like yeah. weirdo tv shows yep, um, like yep some Ocean's person- 11 <laughs> Nick yes. Cage movies. Nick Cage movies. <laughs> this was mostly directed at Anne. <laughs> um, that is know. my own book of secrets, please. That's right. <laughs> I understand that frustration of like, I'm a single lady. Like, I do not have access to regular, like to a regular sexual partner. And uh, this is a good time in your life to learn more about your own self, your own body and what you like. And, uh, you know, like sex is not always between two people. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Take yourself shopping, stay in bed a few extra minutes. Like, yeah, enjoy it. Okay. Next question. I know y'all didn't come up with it, but I totally loved the high road is oversold to oppress you. I embraced it so much, I realized I used it to justify being an asshole to my neighbor (laughs) who woke me up last night by yelling at his TV and then talking very loudly on the phone about what an exciting game it was. Because I then vowed to blast really loud music when I woke up, which I did. What is the balance between standing up for yourself and just being rude to people? Those two things are very separate things. There is no balance. I think that this is a classic... You didn't stand up for yourself and then you employed passive aggressive tactics because it is a cowardly thing to do that like a lot of us do. This is not exclusive to this person. But I think that like not setting those things up as like a it's an either or. 
one part of standing up for yourself is dealing with conflict in real time mm-hmm. <laughs> and and also just having like clear expectations it's like this person is your neighbor like they're not in your life in a significant kind of you know like who cares like yes you share a wall with them but like that's the extent of the relationship that you have if this person is being loud like going up to them and saying like hey it's two o'clock in the morning. You are being loud. That is inconvenient to me. Or writing them a note or something like in real time is better than that. Because once you do the jerky thing days later, he's not going to connect the dots that it was in response to the loud noise. Right. Like he wasn't paying any attention yeah. to himself making loud noise. Yeah. And I think that this is also like such a reminder to just like assume good intentions from everyone until you have information that they're trying to make your life like miserable so yes like your neighbor definitely should not have been playing loud music like or like being loud at the game like at 2 a.m 100 percent true but how does it know how does he know that that's not okay if you don't tell him yeah and i think well when i think of that phrase about the high road being oversold to oppress you i think of it a lot in terms of direct interaction you know wherein someone makes a comment to you that like you know you should like you've been told you should just let slide and like instead confrontation is correct and i think that it totally applies in this situation too right like if someone makes a passive aggressive comment to your face like about your body for example the high road thing is to ignore it but like you know you should really say like excuse me (laughs) um and the same thing the same thing about whatever like loud music or anything it's like standing up for yourself is not (laughs) is not like rude it's not rude especially if like the calculus that i do is always like how much is this going to annoy me tomorrow you know and i'm like if i'm going to be annoyed about it then i know i need to say something because then i'm going to be annoyed at myself and I'm not the person who offended myself. <laughs> so, you know, I think that I, I have offended myself before, but I mean, yeah, most cases, <laughs> mostly when I don't do, when I don't stand up for myself and then I'm like, you right. know, whatever, stand up for yourself in real time. Also neighbors are annoying, but you got to tell your neighbors what you're okay with. So, yeah. Like, boundaries, you know, right? Yeah. Boundaries. It's like, you know, like city living is stupid. Like we're all living on top of each other, like near each other. All of these things. And some people just have like no home training. So you got to periodically remind them like no screaming at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Most of the time, the most of the time that the high road is oversold to oppress you, it's in a a no home training situation (laughs) (laughs) or like someone else. This is like basic shit that you should know, like not to say to someone else or do to someone who lives nearby. Yeah, totally. We found this other question that's been lingering in our inbox for uh, for a while, and uh, we answered it like literally years ago. Years ago, but uh, the advice still stands, so you get to listen to it now. I'll read it, and that puts the burden of answering first on you. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what the question is even about. I'm just yeah. diving. <laughs> okay. I decided to seek y'all's advice for a situation of mine that is frustrating. I have a friend who's semi-long-term girlfriend who broke up with her about a month ago. Okay. The friend is devastated. She thought that this was her lifelong partner. I've talked to my friend numerous times about this. On the phone when it first happened, on the phone again for reassurances, in person the other day. She is going through the grief cycle, so I've heard crying, anger, sadness, and other parts of her life story. My friend is trying to make me that friend to her. The friend she can call and rely on when trauma and personal despairs hit. The person to process with. I wouldn't say a bestie, but she wants to rely on me more heavily than before. 
the issue is that I'm not interested. Whew. She is not. <laughs> sorry, Ooh. that is hard. That is no. cold. Ooh. She is not that friend for me, and I do not want to make her that friend. I would not call her if I faced a breakup or a death in the family. I've known this friend for about six years and typically see her every three to four months. I have not been giving her the signs that I want to become that friend for her. I am urging her to seek therapy because at this point, my compassion and level of therapy expertise is facing its limits. (laughs) I asked my mom what she should do, and she said with Wisconsin accent, you need to tell her, hey, I don't want to talk to you anymore about this. You need to go to therapy. Sorry, this is my, like, Wisconsin mom. Maybe it's just (laughs) my mom. I'm dying. (laughs) Your Wisconsin Uh, accent. Unfortunately, I'm not as direct as my mother. Any thoughts or suggestions? This is... Okay, I mean, I guess there's a lot to unpack here. I will say this. I I don't know what this person should do. (laughs) But... This is I, I do find question. that anecdotally, this is true. It's always people who, like, get in relationships, they, like, go do their own little thing, they don't put the FaceTime in or check in. When the relationship dies, they somehow believe that they have, like, magic privileges <laughs> that they can access. And I'm like, I don't know, yo, man, you didn't put the mileage into what you needed, and now you want too much. Well, and this doesn't even seem like they were super close when, like, prior to that. She was just like, I see her every three to four months. Yeah, I I have a lot of feelings about this (laughs) because I have a lot. I I know a lot of women who have tried for me to be that friend. And I think that sometimes I've successfully been that friend. And other times, mm, I will say that as I've gotten older, I, I just have, like, less patience with it because... On one hand, it is draining. But on the other hand, like this person says, sometimes it's like, no, actually, you need to go to therapy. Like, you don't need somebody to make you feel better and hash it out all the time. Because all you want to do is vent if you actually want to move forward. Which, you know, I think that you're allowed a ton of wallowing and whatever is going on with you. But at some point, if you do want to move forward and you feel that you can't do that on your own... Professional help, much appreciated, because, you know, like, you pay those people to give you a real talk, unlike this podcast. (laughs) And to listen to you talk yourself in circles. I don't know. I think this is hard because, I mean, we don't know the backstory of, like, who else this friend has in her life or, like, what her history is or whether she is one of the many people who drop all of her friends for her relationship and then is like, oh, shit, post-breakup. We don't know her story. All we know is she clearly doesn't have other people. Like, if you're going to a friend you only see every three to four months constantly in a time of breakup, it's like, okay, you probably don't have someone who you've maintained, like, a close No, that's true. But also, some people are like, you give them, like, an inch and they'll take your whole arm. Like, a, hey, how are you? Turns into, like, duh, I'm gonna call you every night. I think that it's, we, like, we don't have the specifics about this. But, like, again, a reminder to, like, really invest in the people that... It's, like, basically people who are, like, I want to have a daughter because when I get older, she's going to take care of me. (laughs) Misguided. So misguided. You know what I mean? No, I mean, misguided, but also a truth. That's why, like, all these, like, foreign adoptions are always girls, too. (laughs) Because they're, like, guess who's going to take care of me? I think that you need to have, like, a little bit of that in the back of your mind with how you treat your friends. Because if you're not there... It's hard for them to be there for you, and it's hard for you to ask that. But clearly, like, some people have no chill, so. I also just don't... It's it's not totally clear from her email if, like, 
this friend is calling her every single day or it's just like they continue to see each other not that regularly but she dominates the whole conversation with her breakup talk but I think that either way it's fair to be like hi I am a person in this relationship too and sometimes I have problems that are not the fact that I just broke up with my girlfriend and I would that's that's good and I I do feel like there's a little bit of two-way friendship street reality checking that can happen that is maybe not going to be super effective if she's not already a little self-aware but probably worth trying yeah the nuclear option is also just to like give them your therapy referral like immediately right and go i'm not equipped to talk about this here's somebody who would love to talk to you about this and i thought you were gonna say the nuclear option was just like not answering your phone no because like that's not sincere you know and also like at the end of the day you do want this person to get help you know, like some people react, like I've done that. People who are like, here's what's going on in my life. And I'm like, I'm not equipped. Here's right. Allison. She's great. She works in DuPont Circle. <laughs> She'll take you on a sliding scale. She'll like help you. Right. But a lot of people actually react really poorly to that because they're like, I'm not damaged. Like, why do I need to go talk to a therapist when I could just like emotionally vomit on you all the time? <laughs> right. But I, I do yeah, think that there's tough. a selfishness to that and pointing that out in like, maybe not saying you're being selfish, but pointing it out like, hi, I have problems too. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like bring up your own problems. Whew, this is right. this is tough. You know, just delegate your mom to take care of this for you. Oh my God. A very special message for you from my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah, no, this is, that is heavy. Okay. Good luck. Good luck, listener. (laughs) Thanks for writing us letters. (laughs) Write us more letters. We're callyrgf at gmail.com. We love succinct letters with like concrete questions. That's right. No rambling or we probably will not read your question. You can find us elsewhere on the internet as well at callyourgirlfriend.com. You can find us on iTunes where we would love it if you left us a review. We're callyrgf on Twitter and on Instagram and on Tumblr. Um, You can also find us on Facebook. Google it. And you can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail, which is another way we like to answer questions. That's 714-681-2943. 714-681-CYGF. This podcast is produced by Gina Delbeck. See you on the internet. See you on the internet. <laughs>